We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Carlo Navas. And with me today, it's been a while since he's been on the program. Old friend of the show, ESPN's own George Sedano. George, what a wonderful Thursday afternoon this is. Thanks for coming on. Uh, good to have, uh, thank you to have, let me start this again. Good for, <laughs> good to be here again. Sorry, it's been a long day already. And it's on my off day, so I'm like off at the moment already. Um, I, I came to match your glasses intensity thank today. You, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I'm an old man now, so I need readers. Um, so I figured if we're going to get into some in-depth stuff, I may need to look some stuff up while we're talking. So I said, all right, let me get the glasses. Cause that's where I'm at. I literally can't read my phone anymore. Most days because I'm going blind. It's awful. Do you have the big text set on your phone? Do you have like, no, I do. Not, you're not there yet. That, you're not there I yet. refuse. I will not do that. Okay. I, you know, I feel like I need to hit 60 before I, I try something like that. So before that, I'll just go with these. Don't let anybody judge you for quality of life changes, George. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I also feel like I can go stylish here, you know, like go different colors. I've got green yeah. ones. I've got blue ones. I don't have red ones. I should find red ones, though, too. Glasses are in now. Glasses are in. People like glasses. So, yeah, uh, and we're going to, you know, we're going to take a, a good look at this series. Uh, but first, you know, George, as soon as you kind of hopped on the call, uh, NBA news broke. Mike Boonholzer has been let go uh, as Milwaukee Bucks head coach. Obviously, a lot of weird stuff. You know, surrounding that series, you know, not not the least of which um, Mike's brother passed away, uh, I think, sometime during the series or, or right before. I, I don't know exactly. But uh, and his star, his his two time MVP and defense player of the year went down in game one and, and only played basically like two games and a quarter. Uh, I mean, your my initial reaction was, man, I, I thought, you know, kind of given the circumstances, his championship pedigree, the success they've had. I would have thought that that bought him at least another go, you know, kind of given, but they are kind of on the clock a little bit. Middleton is going to be owed some money if he opts in or out, you know, Drew Holiday, kind of uncertainty with him going forward and, and time, you know, you're, you're always ticking with the superstar. George, what was, what was your like reaction to that? It was, it was kind of, kind of shocking. 
Yeah, look, um, I guess it is and it isn't. Um, obviously, you mentioned that the tragedy and losing a sibling, losing a loved one in general is awful. I think we've all been through it in some way, shape or form and nothing but love towards his family in this trying situation, just dealing with that, right? And then you have the other aspects of life kind of get involved here too. You never want to see anyone lose their job. Uh, I too probably was leaning towards the same direction you were, which is, you know, he's probably going to get one more crack at it, right? Um, But remember in the immediacy of it, I think a lot of us prior to knowing what had transpired with his brother, sadly, I think a lot of us were like, "Uh uh-oh, he may be on the ropes here, right? You know what I mean? Like as far as his job status is concerned. So I guess when you look at it that way, it's why I say it's also not that surprising. And it's been a constant theme where his star, while not necessarily running him under the bus entirely, has been asked about guarding certain people uh, during a series, particularly Jimmy Butler, now twice, right? And, you know, him saying, yeah, that's the coach's decision. I'd like to do more of it. So kind of removing himself from that equation and in essence saying, hey, that I don't, that's above my pay grade, right? You need to ask the guy that makes those decisions. I don't think that stuff helps. I think, I don't think these things are done in a vacuum, right? Particularly when it comes to professional sports. I think a lot of people are consulted, whether they'll admit it or not. Um, and I don't mean just players, right? I think, you know, that's a particular team that has um, a new group uh, or partners, I guess, from an ownership standpoint because there are still some of the same people there from the previous ownership group. But yeah, I think that there's probably a lot of people consulted on making a move of this magnitude. So um, I guess I'm, I'm surprised a little bit, but if I really think about it, just based on the way we felt in the immediacy of it, I guess not that surprised. Yeah. I mean, and the thing was kind of, I mean, when Giannis said some of that stuff that you had mentioned, I think a lot of us on Twitter were like, Oh, well, that that kind of seems like the nail in the coffin, which is you know kind of shocking because I'm I'm assuming that he knew everything that was going on, so uh, the situation must have gotten to a point that you know, unfortunately it, it got there. But you know, whenever there's a firing of a coach, you know you have to find a better, more qualified one. And Nick Nurse available, yeah. my boy. That one makes sense. Yeah, uh, that's, that, I that's think, immediately yeah. what I thought of in the as the series ended. I, you know, someone asked me, well, if they fire Bud, where would, what would they do? And I said, Nick Nurse, to me, makes all the sense in the world, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, so that we'll look out uh, for that. as Well, and especially, especially when Ime Udoka took the Houston job. Yeah, right? well, those were, they were that, the big guys available. Right, and because Nick has a relationship, well, granted, um, it was more with Daryl uh, when he was running that organization, because, you know, he won two G League championships with, the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, who are the Rockets G League team. So there was that uh, familiarity with the group, although Rafael was part of that group um, as well, if I recall correctly. And maybe I'm missing the timeline or messing the timeline up a little bit, but I feel like there was some sort of connection there. But once Udoka took that job, uh, then to me, it it makes a lot of sense that the next big available opening would go to Nurse or he would be the prime candidate for it. George, I have a bit of a wild card, and we'll transition after this for who oh, who could okay. have that job. I actually think Frank Vogel would be great for that job. He, you know that that's not terrible. Um, um, I think. Look, I like Frank a lot. Okay, and when he was the coach of the Lakers, he and I developed a very good relationship. And I feel like, and I said this on my radio show in LA, I feel like he got scapegoated a little bit. Absolutely. And 
I don't think, look, like if you're telling me right now that this is the team that Frank Vogel would have coached, and I like Darvin Ham too, so don't don't get this twisted. Yeah. It's not, but it, you know, if you're telling me that this version of the Lakers is what Frank Vogel would have, I feel like the Lakers would would still be in a great place. <laughs> like I don't, I, if anything, I would feel a little more confident only because they'd have an experienced coach at the helm and not a rookie coach. Which, by the way, you have to expect at some point or another he's going to make a rookie coach mistake because he made a couple of them during the regular season, and that would only be natural. That's not a knock on Darvin Ham. Um, because I do think that he's had a great career as an assistant. He's obviously won a championship both as an assistant and a player with the Detroit Pistons. And I think there is a respect level there from the players because he's been in that grind um, that they've been through. Uh, but, you know, there is something to be said about experience, especially this time of season. Yeah, I, he just came to mind because, you know, they obviously have really the skeleton of, of what could be a great defense. And, you know, they, he, oh, what, he, what other openings do we have? Like off the top, let's let's go through this real quick, because I think Frank will be a candidate for a lot of them. If I had to guess, like what else do we have? Did, available Toronto, did Toronto fill the vacancy yet? I don't think so. Right. They have not. They Toronto have not. That job is available. Are, we are you asking what jobs are available or what? Yeah, to, what jobs are available? Toronto, now Milwaukee. I wouldn't right? be surprised, George, if Bossa becomes available. I think Missoula really? looks. They just a, signed him to an extension. I, he, they, I don't know. Do you, have you been? He looks a little bit rattled. And yeah, but they're still good. Like they're. I they mean, are, gonna, but you know. I mean, I, I, I maybe I'm overreacting. Still, I think they're still probably going to get to the finals. Right, maybe. I mean. Probably. It kind like, of depends on Joel. I mean, listen, team. I don't think anything is a given. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think that if you if you're handicapping it, they're probably the team that most people would say would get there right now out of the teams that are left. I'm trying to think. I don't think you know, George, there came a period in like the twenty tens where there was really a carousel of coaches. I think we've gone to a point that firing of coaches has really slowed down. I think teams kind of stick with their guys a little longer than before because before yeah. it used to be like it used to be like the NFL you get like 10 openings. Oh my god. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was like seven or eight openings every year. So, I'm looking at it right now. Um so let me see. So Houston's uh, filled. Chicago's now, Cleveland, Cleveland said JB's their guy. Detroit yeah. um did they hire somebody? I don't think so because that was another thing that right. he made Dwayne Casey about, yeah. went to the front office, right? So I'm pretty sure Detroit is open. Um, let me see. I like that job for Frank too. Yeah. Yeah. Although I like that job for anybody. Cause I think they're going to be good for a long time. Eventually. Um, I think that's to... a wait and see where their draft pick ends up. Kind Correct. Of. Yeah. Correct. Um, Washington. It's no, good. right. Yeah. Washington is, I think not. Well, no, the, uh, Tommy Shepard. Is out. Tommy so. Shepard, the GM, was so. like, oh. but that means a new GM could bring in a new coach. Yeah, that's, that's why that's, I say yeah. that. Um, Rockets was filled. Um, and then what's on shaky ground? Let's see. Shaky ground, because I still think there's time, right? Um, I think Minnesota could be on shaky ground, right? If you're yeah. Chris Finch. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, I, Washington obviously on shaky ground. Is Billups? I don't think Dallas is on shaky ground, but I. I Maybe should be, <laughs> but I can be convinced otherwise. Yeah, I could be convinced otherwise for sure. So yeah, I mean, but not a lot. There's not, there's not, not a lot. lot. There's a lot of this. There's, there's more coach stability than than you'd think, and it's funny how two the the two guys, two of the guys that were let, three of the guys that were let go have been to the finals in the last four years, right? Which is pretty crazy. But let's transition to heat talk because that's what that's what the people are here for. Just uh, kind of uh, 
Uh, Wait, you mean they're not here for uh, potential Washington Wizards GM hires? They need. They want to know the, where Frank Vogel's going, George. They need to know where where Vogel's going. They want to. I know like Vogel's Frank Vogel. I like Frank. Frank. Listen, I, I think that's. I think that's funny enough. I think that series is the best series I've ever seen. Spoke coach, and I thought Vogel was right there with him. I Vogel coached a great series. Vogel 100%. was awesome in that series, and yeah. you know, Spo is Spo, and we all have infinite respect for him. But I thought, I thought Vogel went, you know, blow for blow, Spo with Spo. With Vogel, Vogel is a really good coach. I think the problem with Vogel is, um, or not, not with Vogel. I think the problem in LA was that I don't think he felt like at the end he had the um, ability to do. Like I don't think anyone was gonna be was gonna stand there with him that first year with the rust stuff, and be like, "Yeah, Frank, we got your back," because they clearly didn't based on his contract status. Yeah. So I, I I think he even despite that he still sat and benched Russ and did things that the that everyone that was watching said they should do, and it just it just didn't work out. They had a miserable season, but I don't think much of that was Frank's fault personally. But whatever, let's talk heat. Yeah, let's chat's go. actually shocked that you picked the Celtics over the Sixers, and they, they're wondering if you need to to change your Sixers jersey into no. a Celtics jersey. You got, listen, you you guys are too many people. Chat brought it you up. You mother me. bleepers started this thing seven years ago or six years ago, whatever it's been. And I always get a random. You know what happens now when a random person, when I tweet something nice about the Heat, <laughs> says something about the Sixers. You know what I do now? Block. I just block them. Block. That's it. Create, you don't even get the benefit of the doubt. I used to mute them, and then uh, I'm like, you know what? Now, now you don't, you you know what? You're gonna be a pain in the ass. Now you're not even gonna see what I type. George, that's that? the longevity of this show. This is our tenth year doing it. That's that's longevity, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's a testament to you guys and how how much of a pain in the ass you are. We've been annoying for ten years, baby. Yeah. Uh, all right, Heat Knicks, Heat Knicks, George, Jimmy Butler. Uh, I saw. I think it was Barry Jackson said there's optimism that Jimmy Butler uh, will return Game Three if the smile and nod meant anything. Uh, it meant you mother bleepers are in trouble as he waved goodbye to the Garden. He did walk in Game Three. With, he walked in Game Two with slippers, which made me feel good for the ankle. He walked yeah. in with slippers, and I was like, that, that has to be a good sign. Uh, I kind of feel like they were cautious with him, given kind of his history with the ankles, and, you know, they'll they'll be careful. I, I don't, I, I, we know that he are, are very careful with their guys. It, it the, the energy feels, George, that he's going to play and that he wants to play and that they want him to play if he's ready, uh, especially with com- almost a week off, or really. So you you hearing anything? You feeling anything? Well, I'm not hearing anything, um, but I feel like <laughs> I I think he's going to play. If you're just asking me to recklessly speculate, yes, I would probably be surprised if he didn't play. Um, that would be that would make me think that the injury is more severe than we thought. Now, when the writers in the locker room after game one said it looked like a baseball, I mean, I believe it, you know. But after seven days, can it look more like I don't know? you know, a ping pong ball, <laughs> Yeah. you know, can he, can he make it, can he make it something that it's manageable and palatable for him to play? And I think considering they have probably been giving him, not probably, I know they've been giving him round the clock treatment. Um, and he's also a bit of a crazy person as we both a know. little a bit. <laughs> um, I, I, I would guess that he's probably going to do everything in his power to play game three. And I still feel fairly confident in my Heat and Six prediction from the beginning. George, I was so proud of you when you when you picked Heat and Six. I was like, "We're so back, baby. We got Sedano back." 
Well, I picked the Bucks because who didn't? Pick oh, the I Bucks? picked the Bucks. We all picked the Bucks. Right. Yeah, no. No one just... anticipated Giannis to miss, you know, two games plus, you know. Um, and by the way, even if he would have played, I, I still think, you know, in retrospect, we all would have been wrong. They might have still won the series. I mean, I, we don't know that for sure, but they were kicking their tail when he was in there too. So they were certainly playing good enough to win under it. And they were up when he played the game one. And I mean, they. They were plus 16 for 100 possessions, right, when he was yeah. on the floor. George, they're, so. they're plus 12 net rating when Jimmy's off the court. Crazy. It's insane. Gabe right? Vincent. This was a dude that, I mean, obviously we saw him play in a big way last year. And then this year had had a, basically a miserable season, right? And, I mean, well, I mean, I would say a lot of guys had a miserable I mean, season. I mean, all, all the role guys just had statistical regression across the board. Right, right. They all look that basically I, I watched you guys on Twitter all year and you guys went from being like, oh, they'll figure it out. It'll, you know, regress to the mean or ascend to the mean to eventually like, I knew these guys were G League guys for a reason. Twitter turned on them so fast. Everyone was fed up, dude. And I think it's so funny when like they get a national TV game and, you know, Mark Jones or, you know, somebody who, you know, beloved will be like, you know, in Miami with all these undrafted, you have to applaud them. And the fan base is like, are you trolling us? Mark yeah. Jones. <laughs> How dare you, Mark Jones? How dare you? you know? Mark what Jones? do you know? Just because you used to be on Whammy in Miami doing heat games back in the 90s. What do you know? He's a lifer, okay? man. Um, but, yes, you're right. It turned very quickly. Just so um, quickly. But, you look, Gabe Vincent. I mean, I saw Barry Jackson's story today in the Miami Herald where he thinks Gabe Vincent is going to get paid again. Um, and that might be the case. But, ultimately, this team, man, it's just – you know, one of the things I got during the season from somebody, right, was just like, they're just bored. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? 
you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And I was like, mm. I mean, that was like probably like in January. And I'm like, okay, I can get that in January. And then I'm just like, I kind of went to the place everybody else did, which is, I just don't know how good they are. I, right? I, was, like, I was there, man. I was there. Yeah. And, 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 and but here's what it says. Okay. Um, and this part is not great for the league, which is probably why they're doing this midseason tournament, right? That if you look at it, teams like the heat, like the Lakers, who we were just talking about, they weren't great during the regular season, but right now you're looking at, you know, the final four, right. In each side. And they're there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just is what it is. And I think teams are just using the regular season to kind of try some stuff out, work through some lineups, build some habits, um, at least in theory, and just be ready for the playoffs, right? Because it's become a battle of attrition. Basketball has become a lot like the NFL in a lot of ways because the NFL, a lot of it has been over the years, a battle of attrition, who's healthy, and who gets hot at the right time. And if you really look at the NBA most recently, the last couple of years, it's been kind of similar if you think about it. And this year, on top of it all, there's a lot of parity. Now, you can make the case that it's not parity, that it's just not good basketball. At least during the regular season, I feel like that might have been a valid argument. But now when you look at the postseason and the way those teams are playing, maybe it just is parity. You know, at the beginning of the year, Johnny, I kept saying, if you look at the NBA for the first time in 20 years, maybe more, that the East was the better conference, yeah. right? At least the power was at the top. And also for the first time in maybe about 20-something years, you can make the case that every team, even the bad ones, okay, had a guy or two that could snatch a win from you at any given moment, right? Orlando, they beat – what? Did, how many times did they beat Boston this year? Two, three times? Oh, yeah, no, it's – yeah, I mean, it just – and every team had that. We were talking about that with OKC all year until we saw, like, oh, yeah, they're actually not bad. They're pretty good. Detroit um, has and they're guys. really good moving forward. So that's just where the NBA is. You know, if, if, if it was a perfect world, right, I think the NBA plays 66 games during the regular season. They do their midseason tournament, and we're good to go. We No more back-to-backs. We space this thing out properly. Um, I just don't think the owners would ever go for it. But ultimately, that's why we're here, is that experience matters. And you're seeing that now with the Heat, right? You're seeing that now with a team like the Lakers, right? You see it with a team like the Golden State Warriors, who are a 6 seed, right? That's what you're seeing at the moment, is that these experienced teams, particularly teams that have recent experience of success, they're just like, you know what? If you get us in the tournament, we'll be fine. And Spo was saying that bleep all season, all season. and nobody bought it. And you know what? He was right. He was right, dude. We were like, stop it. I mean, it's him saying that and Bam saying I need to be better after every game. We were sick of it. We were just sick of it. Um, George, let's let's talk a little bit more about this series in depth. I think it's been pretty interesting how kind of it swayed a little back and forth. So in game one, uh, Miami tried something interesting, which was putting their smalls in drop. They weren't letting Jalen Brunson kind of get favorable switches. They would drop Duncan Robinson and let, you know, whoever was guarding the, the pick and roll handler kind of a little bit time to get over. Discombobulated them a little bit. Randall comes back for game two. They have to change up their coverage a little bit. They they load up heavy on his side of the ball. 
And the Knicks kind of countered them leaving guys open with telling Josh Hart, all right, when you're open at the corner, you're not going to shoot. You're just going to drive as hard as you can on the baseline, force a rotation, make the pass, or, or right. go up for a basket. And I thought they respected Randall shooting a little bit too much. There's a lot of film on, like, Bam playing really, really close up to him, who's not been a great three-point shooter this year, giving them blow-bys and really, I mean, creating rotation, which I think is where the Heat have mostly struggled in their defense this year. They went to a zone, George. I did not like it. They could not rebound in it consistently, even though in game one, I thought they kind of controlled that part of the that part of the game. Is there anything that you've kind of seen from either side that you're thinking that's kind of interesting going to game three? Because I think those have been the really big cards that have been played by both coaching staffs. And I think game three, if Jimmy plays, we're going to see a look at kind of how everybody looks healthy. Um, I think they've done a great job on Jalen Brunson for the most part. I know he got loose late in the game in the second half um, in the last game. Um, but again, you're doing that without Jimmy Butler. You know what I'm saying? So like eventually he was going to get loose. Um, but I'm with you on Randall. I, I think that they are giving him way too much respect. I know that Barkley said after the game that Julius sees that team and he doesn't respect anybody on the other side. I just think that Bam is giving him way too much credit. Um, and I think that I agree. there's not a guy in this league I don't think Bam can cover. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. So um, I know people may think that's a Homer thing, but I, I think he's the most. I think Jokic is the only guy that I haven't seen it with with him. Right, which that's is a good. We're word. talking like transcendent offensive all time talent there. Correct. Um, and I guess you know because look, I guess AD has given him problems over the years too, right? But I still feel like Bam in a series could probably work through some of that potentially. Yeah, absolutely. But Jokic's combination of size and the passing ability is the unlike shooting. anything we've really seen. So I think that's the part with Jokic that gets you is just, yeah, even if you've done the right thing defensively, he still can pinpoint a pass somewhere over his head uh, that you're not going to see coming. And that's it. He's going to hit the guy right in the shooting pocket and it's over. You know, so it, it just is what it is with him. There are obviously a couple of outliers there. But – uh, I think I don't think Randall is those is one of those guys. Okay, so I, let's yeah. just say it like that. Even though I do think Julius Randall has come a long way um, from early in his career to what he is now, I still think that he can be mistake prone and turnover prone, particularly. So I think you can force him into some of that. I think if you mix some stuff up at him, I think you can do that. But I think they've made the determination, Johnny, that the head of the snake is Jalen Brunson. Yeah, and if they control that, they're willing to live with everything else because. You know what? If R.J. Barrett is going to beat you hitting threes, so be it. You know, if Julius Randle is going to beat you hitting shots from the outside, so be it. Right? Just you don't want those guys getting into the paint. And if you really watch the Knicks, their offense is not really that complicated. It's okay? Not. Their offense is basically one of those three guys I just mentioned, breaking the defense down, either getting to the cup or collapsing the defense and kicking it out to a shooter. That's it. That's what their defense is. And because of that, it's why I feel like Spo will be able to handle whatever the, the whatever comes across on the floor because that's generally what they're going to do. Um, so, I, you know, I just think the bigger thing for the Heat is, and I think they learned this at the in the second half of game one, just because the three is there doesn't mean you have to take it, right? Find yourself the best shot you can get. And it may not always be a three, okay? They want you to take those threes, particularly much like Milwaukee, right? They want you to take those over the break uh, uh, above the break threes, right? So, um, but the Knicks do a better job. Uh, well, I don't know about that. 
Um, I guess the Knicks give you some of the mid-range stuff that Milwaukee does. Maybe not as much. Milwaukee they play a little might. bit. They play higher yeah. up on the screen. Right. So on yeah. the, Right. Correct. So they, it's a little different in that regard. But they'll give you threes just like Milwaukee's going to give you threes. But it doesn't mean you have to take them every time. Um, so I, I just think if Miami, I'm going to use a spoism, plays to their identity and moves the ball. That's a classic. Like we saw, because think about it. What they did in game two, I mean, that was a thing of beauty, moving the ball uh, in that game. So add Jimmy Butler into that equation, who um, when he knows in this series, he knows he's not going to have to get 50 every night, right? Like, it, this isn't Milwaukee. Um, it's just it, the Knicks are going to throw things at him that Milwaukee didn't, right? So that means the ball's going to have to move more. So I still feel like the ball movement is going to be able to um, beat the Knicks defense more times than not and get them good enough looks at the basket. Um, I think over two games, Miami's gotten great looks. Like, I don't think that that's been an issue. Um, and I'm a big believer. I know people are going to roll their eyes. But I you know, I know people can say a lot about Mike D'Antoni. But Mike D'Antoni's theory of the ball moves, the ball gains energy and moves faster than the defense is real. That's real. Right? That's like, and, yeah. and it's what Spo used a lot of when the big three was there. Right? And it's why when they won that first championship, one of the calls Spo made first was to Mike D'Antoni to let him know, hey, your system worked. Forget about what all these idiots tell you. This worked. Um, so I, I think Spo, you, you look at it historically, everyone just assumes he takes from Riley because he's been at the foot of Riley or the knee of Riley for so long. And yes, but you look at Spo, Spo's taking stuff from a, a bunch of other Chip coaches. Freaking like Kelly, like all across right, Chip Kelly, Urban Meyer, right? He takes football stuff, right? And like makes it into basketball plays. Like, so, yeah, I, I just think that, to me, this series, um, as long as Jimmy has relative health, is not that close, barring something else. Like, you know, I guess an injury to Bam, obviously, would be considered catastrophic. And he's already too, playing so. a little bit, you know, hamstring. Right, he's got the hamstring thing. Yeah. But as long as those two guys have relative health, I feel like the Heat are going to win this series fairly comfortably. George, I previewed the series with Nikias, and the thing we talked about was, the Knicks have a really good offense and an ant defense throughout the regular season. Their offense, really, their shot profile is not very good. They don't make a lot of threes. They don't take a lot of threes. But what they do do really well is they get a ton of free throws and they offensive rebound and they take care of the ball. And if you're Miami, as long as you take care of the ball, which they have this series, and you prevent them from offensive rebounding and you keep them off the line, which Miami throughout the regular season has been very good at not fouling. Uh, odd for a spot team, but, you know, they didn't foul out this year. You force the Knicks to actually play basketball. And you give yourself a great chance to win. Like, you can't let them, you know, get feed off turnovers and offensive rebound and do, like, nonsense. If you make them play, like, real half-court basketball, I think you kind of see where the series kind of comes together. And I think where they miss Jimmy more than anything, George, is on defense. Because when his oh, help yeah. at the nail, he's the first guy to stunt in on any drive. And New York in game two got a lot more action downhill because now that stunt man isn't Jimmy. It's either Max or a smaller guy or Duncan or whoever, whoever's at that position. And they had to run zone because it just wasn't working. And that kind of gives the whoever the corner guy is, whether it's Kevin Love or Caleb Martin, whoever, a little bit extra time to kind of rotate in, kind of let the, the guy behind the screen kind of recover a little bit. It just makes everything work in their defense. So I, that was to me, the obvious part where they missed him, as well as I mean, he George he killed him off ball in, in game one. I mean, yeah, it was crazy. I, I mean, it, was it was a it was a clinic of off ball yeah. movement. To your point, oh for sure, a hundred percent. To your point, his defense at the nail. And by the way, I love the fact that you use the nail like that. That you are a basketball person. Well, that's that's how you were basketball, baby. 
Do you know that there was a, originally a real nail at, in the middle of the free throw line? Did you oh, really? That? Is that why they call it the nail? Yeah, that's, that's why so it's cool. That. I didn't know that. Because basically, the way here's a little uh, a little trivia for you inside so, basketball, uh, or not trivia, but just history. So in the middle of the free throw line, they had the nail, right, and it would measure the distance from that point, you know, 15 feet from there to the to the rim, right, and then you know the the distance to the edges of the key, right, which was eight feet. Um, so that's why it was called the nail because there was a legit nail in the middle, so they could use it to measure the rest of it. I love knowing that because I. But he does play free yet. safety from yeah. the nail very well. Yes, that's like his best <laughs> defensive position, more than on yes. ball, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they, I, I thought they miss him, and their defense kind of doesn't work without that element. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they're not the same defense, although they held their own, I thought, in game two. So uh, I, I like them winning uh, those two games in Miami. Uh, I like yeah, the I confidence, they'll... George. I like it because I got to be honest with you. I'm talking so much shit on Twitter and I'm not the most confident person in the world just because I, fi- I figure the shooting will come crashing down on them at some point, even though my basketball brain tells me this series looks kind of done, especially after their role guys almost beat their full team. Right. You know, but, you know, it, it just takes one bad shooting night at home to give the Knicks a little bit of life. I'm glad that you I, listen. Chat's making fun of me. I, I don't have anything. I, I'm, I'm a little scared. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm with. Look, after watching the first game, I text the Knicks fan buddy of mine and I said, if Jimmy's relatively healthy, this thing is a wrap. And he was trying to make excuses about Randall and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, nah, bro, talk yourself into it all you want. Like, <laughs> this series is a wrap. And, and, and then I watched game two, to your point. I'm like, dude, they were, they were one bad call away. Like the, the rim, the ball hitting. We haven't yeah. even talked about that. The ball hitting the rim. And I, that's just a terrible rule. The fact that you, that you can't I know challenge. it's not under two minutes, yeah. right? Like, and you can't challenge it. And you can't take a timeout there because you don't have the ball, right? Like, it's just, it's a weird, weird thing. And I know it, but the refs should be allowed to go and just say, hey, let's take a look at it real quick. I, there, there should be at least a couple of moments, like, you know, like the coaches have challenges, that the refs have their own version they of do a it, George, they do it. They took away Maxis 3 in game 7 off one of those right. reviews that you're talking In the timeout, go back and watch it. But right. George, the and thing get- with that call, and it's similar to like the the call um that the 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 foul quote unquote that Milton did to Lowry off the steal, that yeah. those calls you can reverse them, but when you make the call, you kill the flow of the game as to which Gabe got a layup, which obviously you call the play dead. So, you know, you can't count those two points for Miami. You may get the ball back, but you don't get to count the two points. 
And then, you know, just like the Lowry thing, you know, you, you get, he will get fouled. Uh, you know, they call a foul the other way. They review it. Then you have to jump it up when really Miami should have. So it's got, and listen, the referees have a tough job. I did not want to do the Scott Foster show. It's been done plenty. No, uh, no, no. And yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not blaming just Scott Foster. No, I, I mean, know. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, the rules. You know what I mean? They should but, I would like if they expanded instead of review, I think like out of bounds calls for sure. The last two minutes, I think goal 10 and shot clock violations the last five minutes because that doesn't yeah, happen I, enough 100 percent. yeah yes I, i'm with you 100 percent. and that something like that it doesn't happen that often but it happens at least once i think once every playoffs it happens where you wonder did that actually hit the rim did it not you know like at least one time during a playoff season um that happens uh if not more than once so I, I would like for that to be expanded at least to five minutes or the fourth quarter or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, uh, because I, because imagine this, let's say that shot would have counted by game and you had Julius Randle stepping over um, the baseline, get the ball and back. then Duncan hits that three. Then it's a one point game with, and you're playing the foul game, you know, like, so it, you it don't just have changed. to go for that steal on the other end that they wasted like 12 right. seconds. Right. Yeah. Right. Where they wasted 10 or 12 seconds. Right. So, Ultimately, I'm with you. Um, game one, I felt confident after game one, even with Jimmy's injury. Then watch game two, and I'm like, I'm not worried. Miami's taking two in Miami, and then um, they'll lose game five in New York and give New York some hope, and then Miami will wrap this thing up. In six. George Sedano has the guts. George, I was I was at the game. I was at game one with Ryan Cortez. We were maximum annoying. Nick fans were leaving early. It was It was a beautiful sight. They were walking out of the arena with almost three minutes on the clock left. Those people gave up on their city. There was no one dancing at Penn Station. There was there was no happiness. It was I I was wondering what had happened. They all had that bravado. George, I feel like people now they don't the fans aren't buying into the rivalry obviously like they used to. I mean, I grew up listening to you and Levitard hate the Knicks on the radio. That was adopted by me. But now we have these Zoomers. I don't know what it's like. They don't hate anybody. They just, they, you know, they like, they get. No, only, they only have one series. They have LeBron and Wade and Bosch beating them in five games. And when they you know, me making fun of them, <laughs> me making fun of them. Cause the one game they won the, in the gentleman's sweep, <laughs> they, 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 they had uh, streamers coming down from yeah. the rafters. Or, like, I'm like, what is happening here? Um, I remember being in that arena that day going like, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's three one. Like George, happening? Do you remember when happening? Rudy Gay hit the buzzer beater in a regular season game against the Big Three Heat the first year, and they threw yeah. confetti in Memphis? Yeah, it's cool. that yeah. was a crazy. That time. first year, I could, I honestly, um, I could do a whole book on just that first season. I'm sure like, that there will be not, there will be stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm still waiting for the Chris Bosh documentary. Chris Bosh, actually, it's funny you mentioned Memphis. Um, I remember Chris Bosch telling me this story. I think this was for Dwayne's. Um, I wrote a piece on Dwayne's retirement um, for ESPN.com a couple years ago. And I talked to Chris. We were talking about that era. And he was laughing, man. He was like, man, that first year was brutal. He's like, we got it everywhere. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I was on the road with you guys. He's like, I know, but we got it in places like Memphis and Utah. And I was like, we were never coming here. Like, what are you guys so mad about? It was funny. George, it was so bad. And uh, I'll ask you one last question. And I'll get you out of here because there's been a lot of talk on Twitter whether Jimmy is the 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 second greatest Heat player. Not not 
most talented. Obviously, like LeBron right. and Shaq are the two. LeBron best is players. the most talented. Yeah, yes. LeBron, LeBron and, and Shaq are the two guys. I right? saw Alf's tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, re- I'm referencing Alf's tweet. Yeah, I'm I'm not there yet. I still have LeBron. I don't think it's a crazy discussion. I kind of wanted to know what you've seen the history of this franchise, unlike few people have. I don't think it's that ridiculous to say. I think it's closer than people think. It's closer than people think, but I still think it's LeBron. I mean, the guy won you two championships. The guy was the MVP uh, in those years. He was the finals MVP. He was clearly the best player on the planet. I think what Jimmy has done is remarkable. And I think what's happening there, and maybe it's subconscious, is that you didn't think that this would be the results when you got him. Like you thought you'd be competitive and you thought you'd be in the thick of it, but you didn't think you'd be potentially championship relevant on a regular basis. You, you know what I mean? Another and I think, guy. Right. And I think that that's what's playing into this, that you're he's exceeding your expectations. So because of that, um, you're kind of adding points to his total, like on his side of the ledger. Um, when it's, look, Dwayne Wade is the Miami Heat. He's the star he that walks everyone on loves in the and city. always love, still loves, was in New York. Was has been in Miami for the playoff games. He's not even. He's a part owner of another team, for God's sake. And he um, lives across the country. He lives forty five minutes from me. Um, That's and, a humble brag. Yeah, it's a nice. Yeah. I mean, he lives a little further up the coast, north ah, yeah, on no, the we, northern we, side of the coast of LA. I live on the southern yeah, part of the coast of LA. Um, but it, you know, and it's also really not forty five minutes. It was like be like forty five minutes if there was no traffic, which let's face it, that never happened. Listen, just so per- honestly, pretend, it's like ninety minutes. But okay, like, but if, not, for not, argument's not that, sake, forty for clout for clout's sake. Yeah. Not that Dwayne would ever invite me over for, you know, wine and spritzers. But if he did, if he invited me to his, it would take me easily 90 minutes to get It's feasible. It's feasible. But I'd be like, bro, I might as well, you know, I'm like. You accept that invite, George. You can't can't decline. I I would. Of course I would. But it's funny. I actually, the last time I saw him was the day LeBron broke the record. Um, We were, I was at the arena. He was there. I was actually on the phone. I don't remember who I was on the phone with. But I was in the tunnel where, like, where the players come through. And then he was walking through. And I just hung up on whoever I hung- was talking. I was like, hey, I got to go, bro. And then I just, like, gave, came in, brought it in, gave him a hug. And we talked for, like, a couple seconds. And then I had to go and he had to go because that person was calling me back. Like, why did you just hang up on me? Um, so, but, yes, I would take him up for it. But 90 minutes. I legitimately have friends that live, like, sort of in the same area where he lives. And I haven't seen them in six years. Okay, so that's just the way this town works. If you live that far, it's tough. George, I gotta I be honest. I don't cross the county line. Like Alf wants no. me to hang out with him, and he lives no. God knows where up there north. You know, he's, he's like Stugatz. He moves closer and closer to Jacksonville every yeah. time I ask. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm in South Miami. I'm. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But to answer your question, uh, Dwayne Wade is the one everyone loves and understandably so is the most important player in franchise history. LeBron does not come there if it's not for him. And obviously his impeccable top 75 player of all time, Hall of Fame, all that stuff, right? Like you've got all that. And then, uh, which by the way, man, I have a vacation planned like two days after his induction and i'm like do i fly across the country for this thing and then have to fly back across the country in one day i don't know my wife may kill me but we'll see Uh, but but um yeah lebron is still number two um jimmy's getting there he's 
He's number three. He's past Shaq. Do you, th- do you think, think with a question. ring? Yeah, I thought he, I, I think, I think the Shaq. Even with yeah. a ring, he's past. Even though Shaq has a ring, he's yeah. past Shaq. I'm saying, do you think with a ring, he, he passes LeBron? Like, let's say, let's say he gets through the Knicks, then gets through the Celtics, Austin. and then gets through the Warriors or the Lakers. Or the Lakers. That's right? like a, that's like a murderer's like a murderer's row. row. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's then it's a real discussion. I'll give you that. I, I'm, I'm, I listen. I hope. I hope. I mean, LeBron beating the Spurs. I mean, I know Ray Allen played a big role in that, but let's not forget LeBron was probably, was definitely the best player on the floor in that series. And, so, and I think we can dock them both for the Dallas series and and that that second Buck series. So we'll we'll call the push. Yeah, but we'll, it, it, if he wins one, it's definitely close. I still think it's LeBron though. I'm just I'm just happy that the city has embraced Jimmy because I think during the bubble, George. You know, obviously, like COVID had changed everyone's lives here, but you know, once things started to kind of open up again, I just saw no buzz about the team when they were playing well. And this is really the first—I don't know—it's just nice to yeah. see like people care. It's again. funny. It's the same thing here in LA. Like, I think people are like there. There's an excitement level that I haven't seen here um, since before I lived here when I would come here to cover games in the playoffs. You know, during like Kobe. You know what I mean? Like where it's like people are genuinely like fired up. Like they were giving Dylan Brooks all sorts of bleep during those games. Um, And it's like, that's what you live for. You know, when you come to playoff games, you want the fans to get on guys. You want the excitement of their home team, regardless of what building you're in. Like, look, say what you want about the Knicks. That's a fun place to watch a game. Okay. Like, you know, I know that you were there and and their fans left early, but you have to admit that is a fun place to watch a game in Madison Square Garden. No, George, it was, it was my first time actually in a visiting arena ever. Uh, So that was, that was such a, I'm glad. That's a good first place. It was a a great experience. Let me tell you, there's not a lot of other places that are going to live up to that. So I'm just warning you. Listen, I know that we call it a dump and I I don't know if you saw, but a possum checked my ticket when I was coming in. I saw you tweet that. Yeah, Yeah. it was enormous. I I couldn't believe it. And it talked and everything. They're they're very advanced at this point, but no, it was, it was great. And and, uh, being there with with Cortez as we, uh, as we trolled was, was fantastic. George, thank you so much for joining us on your day off. We appreciate it. The city loves you. Uh, Even though we give you all sorts of shit. uh, You're (laughs) the best man. Do you have anything? Right, pal, do you have anything to plug coming me. up? Classic radio What's plug. That? Oh, uh, I will be. I'll be on sidelines somewhere in the second round next week um, on TV, and then I'll be on uh, ESPN Radio doing the Western Conference Finals. So okay, well, guys, uh, remember you got pregaming and hangover time on game day. I will be at the Kentucky Derby because I planned this trip before I thought the Heat would make the second round. So no me this weekend. They'll get me back next week. You got Alf and Brass holding it down over the weekend. And I'll see you guys for game four of Heat Knicks here in Miami. And uh, enjoy.